Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, as we gather around this, your word today, we pray that you would be with us, strengthen us, and continue to enliven us by your spirit in all understanding and appreciation of all that you have done and continue to do for us today. Grant unto us true hearts that continue to follow you and seek to glorify your name in all that we do, especially as we recognize the gifts that you have given, this your word, and yes, all that we need for faith and life. Be with us now and continue to strengthen us all through Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The text upon which we will base our meditation today is recorded for us in the first chapter of Paul's second letter to the Thessalonians, beginning at the third verse. And let us arise as we hear these words. I'm using the EHV here as we read the text. We are always obliged to thank God for you, brethren, as is fitting, because your faith is growing more and more. And the love that each and every one of you has for one another is increasing. So we ourselves boast about you and God's churches in regard to your patient endurance and faith in all your persecutions and in the trials that you are enduring. This is evidence of God's righteous judgment that resulted in your being counted worthy of God's kingdom for which you also suffer. Certainly, it is right for God to repay trouble to those who trouble you and to give relief to you who are troubled along with us. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his powerful angels, he will exercise vengeance in flaming fire on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Such people will receive a just penalty, eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from his glorious strength. On that day, when he comes to be glorified among his saints and to be marveled at among all those who have believed, because our testimony to you was believed. For this reason, we are always praying for you, that our God will make you worthy of your calling and use his power to fulfill every good desire and work of your faith, so that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him, in keeping with the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. Here ends the reading of our text. These are your words, Heavenly Father, sanctify us in the truth, for this your word is truth, and we pray that you would strengthen our faith through them. Amen. Please be seated. Dear fellow redeemed in Christ Jesus, my how things have changed in our world. The debates that we hear today are nothing like what I heard when I was younger. 
personally, I kind of like that one argument that they were always trying to use against God and so forth. It was called the question, how many angels can there be on the head of a pin? Like that was something to talk about. My answer was very simple, it's as many as God wants. <laughs> but the reality is, there's a lot of things going on that are changing our world, changing how we look at things, and changing and challenging us in our day. Take, for instance, the technical world, which your pastor is much better at this than I am. But I'm just starting to get my head around what a terabyte is. And I found out that after I placed all my files from all my career into that memory, I don't even fill up a terabyte. <laughs> but now they're not talking about terabytes, they're talking about zettabytes. Zettabytes? Is that the right you say it? Zettabytes? Something like that? That's a trillion terabytes. <laughs> and that's the kind of memory that people are talking about. Can we get our mind around that? Can we understand? We're basically just talking about $20 trillion of debt in our nation. What's that? Or is it $30 trillion now? Who knows? We can't get our minds around that sometimes. But you know, the disciples faced a little different challenge to getting their mind around something. And it really comes down to this, that they were exposed to so many things that was misinformation. Their misunderstanding of who the Christ was to be and what he would do was very prevalent. Even to the point they followed him for those three years, they came to that point, they watched him die, they watched him rise. They met him on that mount. And they still asked the question, will you return the kingdom to Israel? Some of those concepts truly do escape us. But what I'm really happy about, what I'm really thankful for by our Lord, is the basic concepts of what we, as his followers, need to remember. One, that we will always need to hear and proclaim God's saving word. Straight up, straightforward, all truth. That one never changes. We also know that it is true and it never changes that our own need is always there. Our children are born dead in trespasses and sin. They need the rebirth. We needed the rebirth. That never changes. And something else that doesn't change. As we follow our Lord, as we study and honor his word, his commandments, we acknowledge that all we have is a gift from God. That doesn't change. It doesn't suddenly become ours when everything is his. And all that we have is a gift of his grace to sustain us. And yes, even more important, to consider how important it is that we honor him. Finally, that thing that doesn't change. That thing that doesn't change is that as we recognize all these things and our need for his grace and mercy, what doesn't change is our need 
to thank and glorify our Lord. Even so, as we consider this text before us, let us consider how we are continually to be glorifying the name of Jesus, both now and forever. As you know, I'm uh, the giving counselor for our Evangelical Lutheran Synod, so I don't have a call directly to one church anymore, or even a couple of churches. I, my call is to all our churches, through our trustees, to serve you in whatever way I can. Through the word, and also in the earthly sense, guiding you uh, into honoring your Lord and what you do. So as a former pastor, it's kind of nice to look back at those parishes where we've served. I know you're not there yet, but one of these days, you never know. To look back and to see how the Lord has blessed that congregation. Or perhaps there were some special individuals. Perhaps an example would be in one church, I had the opportunity and the blessing to instruct someone who was raised by two Wiccan, who became a Christian. Also, a man who had gotten, or a young man who had gotten so deep into the dark, drudge stuff and, and seemed to be lost, uh, started coming. He started digging deeper into the word. His faith grew you know, stronger. His witness became stronger. It was just a joy to see that. And then to see a plethora of children being born and to find that they're baptized, even as they struggle with serious health issues, yet their faith remains strong. And that's one family. And we have a reason to be thankful as we look back and look at those who have been blessed through word and sacrament. Paul had the same impression. He was amazed at some, to some degree, and yet, more than anything else, thankful for what he saw in this church in Thessalonica. Perhaps you know a little bit of that missionary's journeys and the history there. As he was on his second journey, he had it in his heart and mind to go to a place called Asia. We know it as Asia Minor, or Turkey today. And as he was planning to go there, the Spirit forbade him to go there. And instead, he received a vision of a man from Macedonia saying, come, come, help us. And so his trail, his path changed. And he went across the water to what we know today as modern Greece shore, or Macedonia, as it was called. Well, first he gets to a town called Philippi. Then he comes to a town called Thessalonica. And what does he encounter? Nothing but opposition. There was opportunity to share the word, but as that word began to spread, boom, somebody would come up. They would persecute him. They threw him in jail. They beat him. And they threatened others who would follow him. And so in this town of Thessalonica, Paul had to leave. He and his companions had to flee by night, in essence, in order to avoid the throng that tried to hurt them. I have a friend from my former home and church up in northern Michigan. 
he had uh, been a civil engineer, so he was there on a mission to help the city in, I won't say the name of the town, I don't want to degrade it too much, but anyway, as he is serving there, he just had such a hard time working with the crew there, just being able to get something done, and he was so frustrated, he took another job within a few years, and so it was kind of sad to see him leave our church. But he said, yeah, the best view I ever had of that town was in my rear view mirror. And of course, he didn't mean harmfulness toward that town, but just the bad experience and everything else. And so it is with Paul. As he was leaving, you'd think he would say the same thing. The best view of that town was in my rear view mirror for all the bad things that happened. And yet, what do we hear? We hear that there were good things that had happened. In spite of all the trials, all the things that those people who had heard the word and believed that word were facing, good things were happening. In the midst of their trials, he has received the report that the saints were loved and growing in their love for one another. That they were enduring their trials. And they were growing in their faith and their knowledge of their Savior. What did Paul lead then after he heard of this? He says, we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and your faith. So in spite of what we may see around us, in spite of what persecutions we may encounter in this world, there's the goal. You know, one of the strongest apologetics I think I've ever heard for the believers who were there in those early years and that severe trial and persecution is this. And you think about all the 12 disciples who followed Jesus, who were trained, and ultimately, all but one died a martyr's death. Now, I don't know about you, but my tendency is to avoid confrontation. I don't want to get into a fight. I don't want to get in a dangerous situation. I don't want to face the ire of people who hate me or want to silence me. But if there's a strong witness for what these people believed, what they saw and knew and shared, it was the fact that they were willing to die for what they knew to be true. Talk about seeing good in bad situations. On top of that, what a joy it is to see brethren persevere in the midst of trials. So what trials are you facing today? What form of trial, whether it's maybe physical health or even the loss of a loved one? Or perhaps the loss of a job that you really like? Or perhaps the loss of a friend because you had a disagreement? Or perhaps, even worse, the threat of losing your livelihood because of what you believe? And you're afraid, you're afraid to speak and to let people know what you believe. Those are subtle persecutions. 
But they're there, and you and I, as we continue to face trials, whether they're our own physical trials or family challenges, or whether it's outside persecution, we should know that the Lord is with us. You know, our Lord Jesus warned us that the world would indeed hate you. But it was for his sake. He said they hate you because they first hated me. So we should never take it personal. What is the proper response? What is our response to be as we face persecution in the world? Or trials as we face it? It's first of all to to embed ourselves in the word. To ultimately come here to hear of God's grace and mercy. Oh yes, to confess our sins, but then to know the forgiveness that has been wrought and obtained for us through the life, death, and resurrection of our Savior. There we find this truth, the strength to endure, the ability to face all trials. The Christians written about in our text had found a a very proper response for all those things. They just put themselves into the word. They love one another, and they continually and faithfully follow their Lord. So that's why when we talk about judgment, as Paul does here in this text, we do not take comfort in the judgment of the lost. Remember how our Lord wept over Jerusalem. Even so, we should take to heart the importance of knowing our role here in this world as his followers. We're a witness, a light, if you would, in a dark place because of what Christ has done for us and what we proclaim to the world. And yes, we need to sit back and look at that whole picture of judgment and recognize there but by the grace of God go I. We, too, deserve to be judged and sent to everlasting torment. We have rebelled against our God. We have broken his commandments. We have coveted things that we do not own or should be considered of others and their property. We have certainly not worshipped and honored God as we should. We have taken his name in vain. And we deserve nothing but punishment because we certainly have not loved our neighbor as ourselves at all times. And so the call to repentance is here. The call to repent of our sins, even of those sins of neglect and apathy. And as we do to know where to look for our salvation. You know, even Paul had to humble himself from time to time, and I think perhaps more often than we may care to admit. But this is the way he finally just stops and and recognizes he cannot put himself first. He must first present Christ. He says, For I have no intention of knowing anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. How easy it would have been for him to be arrogant, to tell them how it is, to tell them how they should live, and to do so because he knew better, and he knew so much. 
but he humbled himself. He presented this knowledge of Christ as the only sure way of salvation. Paul also defended his church, though. When the church was being persecuted, he spoke in these words of our text of that judgment, recognizing what will happen. He says, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven and his powerful angels, he will exercise vengeance and flaming fire on those who do not know God, on those who do not obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's a scary thought. But it's also meant to give us a sense of urgency. Because we stand as a witness. As we follow Christ, as you come here to worship and glorify your Lord in your worship, you stand as a witness in your community and among your families and your friends. Now, interestingly, as we look at this judgment, we have to recognize it was not the persecution that caused the judgment of the people that he was talking about. It was their unbelief. It was the fact that they did not obey or believe the gospel. And what a tragedy it is when we can present that and yet it is rejected. And we should never yet hesitate to share the gospel. So what is the reason that we do not come under judgment? We know it is purely by the grace of God. That God, in great love for us, for all mankind, promised and sent his only son into the world to take on our weak human flesh, to ultimately be our brother, and to take our place fully under the law, to then fulfill that law in every way, to be holy and righteous in every way, to be the one that the Heavenly Father declared on that mountain, this is my son. Listen to him. My son in whom I am well pleased. That is the joy of knowing that this Christ, this Holy One, is the one that then came not only to live the holy life in our place, but to lay down that life on the cross to pay the full and just penalty our sins deserved and to take it from us and place it upon himself. It is there that we recognize that God not only placed the judgment that we deserved on Jesus, but that it was done in full. That when he said, it is finished, our sins had been fully paid for. That we are redeemed. We are children of God then, when he calls us and makes us his own through faith. Through the waters of baptism, we are reminded how we have that washing of regeneration, the renewing of the Holy Spirit, which God had intended us to have from creation, but which was lost in the fall, but now was reborn in us through the blessed waters of baptism. Is a reminder that as we continue to live in this world, the devil will continue to try and draw us away from our Savior. And he wants us to remain in this word, to be strengthened in it, and to gather around his table to receive the very body and blood that has brought for us forgiveness so that we might be strengthened in this faith and grow in our love for one another.
So as we come before the Lord, we repent and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I don't know how many of you play with texting. I know some of us probably play with it. Other people live on it. But it seems like OMG is one of the favorite things you see in those things. Oh, my goodness, I'll say. <laughs> but what we should be saying as we think about that, maybe every once in a while we should use that. Oh, my God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Just a few more letters. B-M-M-S. And that reminds us what Christ has come to do, what he has done, and what we have in the forgiveness that he gives. And then on that day, when our Lord will come, we will truly not only glorify him as we worship him here, but eternally. Because Paul says this, and he reminds us of this promise in verse 10, on that day when he comes to be glorified among his saints and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. Because our testimony, our testimony to you was believed. What a joy to hear that when our Lord comes, there's a whole different view for the believer. It is one of joy. Raising up our heads, expecting that day, knowing the Lord will return. And knowing that it will be a joy to glorify our Lord forever. But we have a few things to do yet. Because our Lord hasn't come yet, right? And that's why our Lord blesses us with the opportunity. So Paul then has a prayer for that. He says, for this reason, we are always praying for you, that our God will make you worthy of your calling. And again, that is by grace. We don't earn our place in heaven, but it is by grace. And how do we earn that place? By using his power to fulfill every good desire and work of your faith. So that the name of Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him. In keeping with the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. Now in case you missed it, we're going to take a little time today to consider stewardship. The idea that we have given all these gifts by God. And that we're to use them then to his glory. Well, that can be done as we care for our families, for ourselves in this world. Honoring him with our tithes and offerings. But also remembering that as we do, we're helping the good news of salvation to be carried forward. To continue to support this pulpit and this church continues to make sure that the word is proclaimed. It's not just in this building, is it? It's in the community. It's our witness in our place we call home. Our witness as we continue to live and work. And yes, even act, be active in our community. And I thought, Joy, think of, think of little things like just working at Walmart or offering food at Quick Trip. How you can be a witness just by being there out in the community. That's our time and talent, but we also now want to think about our treasures. 
we could use our treasures and fulfill that good desire and work of our faith by planning, opening that conversation. What can we do to continue to support this ministry, continue to support the ministry of missions around the world? And that conversation is a joy to have. And it is a joy to be able to see how the Lord blesses his word. Even as Paul rejoiced to see the Thessalonians loving one another and growing in their faith. May we truly then, by the grace of our God, for all of this is by grace, may we truly fulfill every desire and work of our faith, all through the power that God gives as we seek to honor him and glorify him in all we do. To the glory of his holy name. Amen. Please arise for the blessing. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be and abide with you all. Amen.